Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight we continue our series in the book of Romans, and we will be in chapter 3 this evening. If you would like to join in our conversation or if you have questions or would like prayer, we have call screeners standing by, and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, we did get a question from a radio listener named Oscar a couple of weeks back, and we didn't get to it, but uh, he had a question that actually a lot of people ask, um, two-part question. He wanted to know if someone can lose their salvation, and he also asked if we are saved by works or by grace. Okay, it's a great question. Obviously, it's an eternal question, and we cannot lose our salvation mm-hmm. once we are truly born of God. Mm-hmm. So that's the if, if mm-hmm. we are truly born of God. Mm. And we are saved by grace. Yeah. That means not of works. If we're saved by one work, mm-hmm. then we're not saved by grace. Mm-hmm. If, if I say I have to do even one thing, mm-hmm. then I'm saying salvation is not by grace. Because mm-hmm. Grace, you cannot mix works. Yeah. I'm just going to give one verse that answers both of those questions okay. in two lines. Okay. Isn't that wonderful, that yeah. the Bible? Okay. Uh-huh. And it's the words of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. That's grace. We're mm-hmm. saved by grace. Mm. We're saved by what Jesus Christ has done for us, and he gives to us eternal life. And the second thing he says is and they shall never perish. Mm. That's our eternal security. So we're saved by grace, Mm -hmm. and we have eternal security based on the words of Jesus, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Mm. All right? Mm. Okay. Thank you, Thank you Micah. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you for being here. Boy, these weeks just roll around, don't they? They do. And here we are <laughs> on another Heritage of Faith conversation, and we just seem like we started Romans. Now we're in chapter 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Micah, thank you again for all your hard work and study. And friends listening, we want to thank you. We want to thank our young people who mm. are out there listening, mm-hmm. like Emily. Yeah. And... Chloe, who's going to have a birthday this week. Oh, happy birthday, Chloe. So happy birthday, Chloe. (laughs) I know you're going to have a big celebration. And Phoebe and maybe Juliet and Joshua are out there. I don't know if they're listening, but we wanted to say hello to some of the wonderful young people of our church who do listen to our program. And we want to encourage our listeners as well. If you are looking for a Bible-believing church, come on out. Visit with us at Heritage Baptist Church on Sunday. We meet at PS3. That's at 490 Hudson Street in Manhattan. We would just love to have you. And if you if you don't have a, a good church where you feel that you're being fed the Word of God, you need to be in church. Mm. You need to be in the fellowship of God's people. So come on out. Check us out. We would love to meet you at 490 Hudson Street in Greenwich Village, Manhattan. Don't be afraid of coming into New York City, into Manhattan either on Sunday. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. No, right? it's not that bad. You yeah. know what, Pastor? I was actually doing some research. Somebody had called into our church 
uh, this week, and he lives, I won't say where, but he lives in a place not too, too far from us, but he there is no Bible-believing church nearby him. The closest one that I could find was at least a 30-minute drive. So, you know, that we're here. We're a destination yeah. church to a lot of people. You know, people coming from New Jersey, the Bronx, right. Queens, Brooklyn, Staten yeah. Island. Yeah, you don't live in, right in the community of our church. I live out in Queens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, it's a 35-minute drive, but on Sunday morning, there's yeah. not much traffic. And, and then we can park around mm-hmm. the area of our church. So if you're driving in and if you want to take the train, there are trains, although we realize trains can be really messed up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But but uh, come on out. If you have any questions, you can call us at 9 nine two nine three 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 seven three nine call screeners are here to take your questions pray with you answer anything that is on your heart tonight at nine two nine three 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 seven three nine and this evening we have back with us brother chris fox chris you've been with us a few times and uh, thank you for once again joining with us uh, Pastor, my pleasure, my honor being here tonight. Yeah, and and I know your specialty and real love to study, and you, you, you've been on in the past as we talked about the Nephilim and the Genesis 6 passage. I know that's that's really, you, you are especially interested in, in those things, but I'm glad that you can join us as we study the book of Romans. Amen. Well, all Scripture is blessed. Amen. Amen, Amen Chris. Well, we, we appreciate you and your friendship and... And we're thankful that we can join together as we study this evening. We're going to look into Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. And you don't want to miss next week's program because we're going to talk about the wonderful salvation by grace in Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21. But tonight we're going to talk about how the whole world is guilty. Now, wait a minute before you shut the radio off and say, I don't want to hear about that. You religious people always putting guilt trips on us. <laughs> no, we don't want to put a guilt trip on you. We want to get you off the guilt trip. Yeah. We want to tell you, show you tonight there's a solution to your guilt mm. because the reality is I'm guilty. Mike, yeah. you're guilty? I am. Chris, mm-hmm. you're guilty? Amen. Hey, the whole world. <laughs> so we're not preaching to you. We're, we're, we're in the same boat yeah. as you. Mm-hmm. We all need Jesus. Paul is talking about all of us here in this passage of Scripture, and he's piling up so many Scriptures one on top of the other. It's going to be a great conversation, so you can feel free to join us as well at 929-333-3739. But we're going to read, beginning in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 9, as I started off tonight. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? <laughs> That's a good question. Are we better? Dear friends, the answer is no, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before, no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soeth the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth shall be, may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the 
of knowledge of uh, sin. Amen. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. And we're going to pray as we begin tonight. So, Lord, we thank you that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ, you died for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are our great Savior and that you fulfilled the law completely. And what the law could not do, what we could not do, you have done. And we we thank you, Lord Jesus, that if even one person tonight would confess with their mouth you as their Lord and believe in their heart that you have raised them from the dead, they shall be saved. We pray that someone, even this evening, would be saved. We pray that others who are saved, who are ex- perhaps experiencing guilt in their life, that they would get off of this guilt trip and confess their sins and get right, that we would all get right and live right for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the whole world is guilty. That's what we're going to talk about tonight from this passage of Scripture, dear friends. And we, as I've already said, want to see God deliver you from the guilt of sin, and it's through Jesus Christ. And we've all, you know, when we talk about guilt, this Mm -hmm. is something that we can all relate to. So why don't we just, even ourselves, give examples of how we've experienced guilt and and what we dealt, what we did with it. So, Mm -hmm. Brother Chris, you start us off on your guilt experience. (laughs) Well, I can tell you this much. I work for the Transportation Agency, New York City, MTA, Metro North. And in my capacity as a supervisor of different personnel there have been times when I have been in a very frustrating situation mm. and therefore projected said frustration unfairly upon those I work with. Mm. And in recognition of this, because sometimes you be a little stubborn, at first it's easy to brush up and say, well, they'll get over it, or, well, it's the nature of what we do. Then I have to realize it may be the nature of the world, but it's not the nature of what Christ preached. Mm-hmm. It's not the nature of what we're supposed to be as Christians to be an example of his word. And I had to take it upon myself to humble myself to approach said individual I may have offended and apologize. Mm-hmm. Because just because I may be in a position of authority does not mean I'm in a position of superiority. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, Micah, I think the one of the great, and thanks for sharing that, Chris, um, because even while we're saved, we say things, we do things, we we react to things Every day, mm-hmm. in ways that are not pleasing to God, and we may feel guilty about that, mm-hmm. and we need to confess those sins as soon as we commit them, and, and I know I certainly do. There's a, there's a phrase in the Bible that really, to me, summarizes the guilt trip, mm-hmm. and it's when Moses went out to look at his Hebrew brethren, and it says before he smote that Egyptian, it says he looked this way, and that way. Hmm. He looked this way and that way. So when somebody looks this way and that way mm-hmm. before doing something, mm-hmm. you know they're gu- they know they're guilty. <laughs> yeah. So, dear friend, are you living your life looking this way and that? If you are, confess your sins. If you want prayer, give us a call at 929-333-3739. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a situation also. The summer before I started college, I got two jobs in order to save up money to move to New York City. I was waiting tables on nights and weekends, and during the day, I was working at a metals factory owned by my best friend, Greg's dad. Um, The job at the factory was what the human resources person described as cushy. 
because it didn't have all that much work to do. Basically, <laughs> I just kept things clean and orderly as necessary. But actually, for me, having almost nothing to do was a problem. I, I felt bad getting paid when I wasn't doing much work. And after about a month or so, I, I couldn't take it. So I abruptly quit and picked up more shifts at the restaurant instead. But when I quit, I didn't do it the right way. I didn't give notice. I basically told my friend to tell his dad that I wasn't coming back instead of telling his dad myself. Anyway, I felt a ton of guilt for that, and the way that I dealt with it is basically I avoided my best friend for the rest of the summer, and it was probably almost a year before we talked again. Um, you know, I'm still friends with Greg today. It's 26 years later, but we've never been as close as we were before that, and I dealt with something in a really immature way. Yeah. You know, when I think of guilt, I remember when I was a paper boy mm-hmm. for a weekly newspaper, and I would deliver the paper into this uh, pharmacy. And I had a paper bag, and the the, the papers were in, you know, the, the typical yeah. standard-like mm-hmm. paper bag. Mm-hmm. And I would walk down the aisle, and I would steal. I would steal magic markers especially. Mm. And I would put those magic markers, like, in, in the bag. Mm-hmm. And when I first started doing this, I was... You know, I was petrified, mm-hmm. and I was looking this way and that way. You know, I and and when I and when I got out of that store, I was like looking behind me. I yeah. mean, I was just a mess, uh-huh. and I was certain I was caught, and I was, even not by man at that point. Yeah. But I knew that God mm. was watching me. Mm-hmm. And you know how I dealt with that guilt though how? back then? I kept stealing. So that I got over the guilt. You seared your conscience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I yeah. seared my conscience. Yeah. But after I was saved, so, you know, I grew up, I'll, I'll tell you, it's the Meyerson Pharmacy in Creskill, New Jersey. I, I think, what do they call that when the limit of time has passed? I don't, I don't think. Oh, statute statute of limitations. Yeah, the statute of limitations. The statute of limitations, I think, has passed. So, <laughs> so uh, the police don't have to become looking for me. But after I was saved, I actually went into the store and made, I made restitution. You know, restitution. Yeah. I said, I, I used to steal from you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And the guy hit the floor. He 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 fainted, you know. But uh, anyway, <laughs> did he so know that's you? How, Was it the same person? No, no, no. no. Okay. But that's how I ultimately dealt with the guilt. I I sought to make restitution with mm, those good. that I stole from. Mm. So Chris and and people in dealing with their guilt. A lot of people though they say, hey, I'm not that bad a guy. I'm not as bad as that other guy over there. And you know, so a lot of people kind of blame shift. Uh, in in dealing with their guilt, or they might deal with it in other ways. So what would you say to somebody like that who kind of blame shifts, or what would you say to somebody who is dealing with their guilt in an incorrect fashion? Well, I'll give me an example. Um, this is coming from the book of John, the 21st chapter, and the whole passage would be from the 15th through to the end of the chapter. But I'm only going to refer to a couple of verses. To give a synopsis, this is after Jesus had been resurrected, this is after... Uh, Peter had been brought back into the fold, for like a bit of words, mm-hmm. after he had denied Jesus on the cross and, mm. and Jesus told him he wouldn't. He was feeling particularly guilty mm-hmm. at that time, and he was feeling very grievous. And Jesus had given him directions of what to do and following him and following and feeding his sheep and also given him a way of knowing how he would follow him even in death. Mm. This been said, as Peter was grievously reflecting on his own actions, he looked upon John, mm-hmm. who was, for lack of better words, the last man standing at the cross, the mm-hmm. man who had stood behind when everyone was said and done, who would, Jesus even decreed to take care of Mary mm-hmm. after he passed away. Yeah. And to quote John 21st chapter, 21st verse, Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Mm. 
22nd verse, Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Now, this deflection attempted by Peter was rebuked by Jesus. In mm -hmm. so many words, your guilt or your attempt to deflect from your guilt by pointing at another individual does not take away from what you have or have not done. Mm -hmm. In other words, follow Jesus yeah. and follow him without having to point to your fellow man because at the end of the day, every man will answer for themselves. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And a lot of people, you know, when they think about themselves, they it, they they do compare themselves to others, right? Yeah. Even like mm -hmm. Peter, he was like more concerned about John in a sense than about his own life. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the Johns in your life, Peter. Take care of yourself, mm -hmm. and and don't look at the other people and compare yourself to them either, and say, well, I'm not that bad compared to that other person. I mean, well, who are you comparing yourself with? Are you yeah. comparing yourself to Judas? And Jezebel? Mm -hmm. Well, you could look good mm -hmm. in the light of somebody that you compare yourself with. But the thing is, when we stand before God, he's not going to compare us to Judas or Jezebel. He's going to hold us to a standard of holiness, the holiness of Jesus Christ. And that's where we all come short of the glory of God. So, uh, Micah, people do deal with their guilt. Yeah. In different ways. Still others may say, well, I know I've done some things wrong, but I, I'm still pretty good, and, and I'll do enough good things to make up for the, all the bad. You know, that's mm -hmm. such a commonly yeah. heard excuse. Mm -hmm. So, really, what can we say to someone, though, because that's really a religious excuse. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do enough good things to outweigh my bad. What can we say to that? Well, one problem is that uh, no human being is qualified to actually discern their own level of sinfulness. Yeah, you know, we're biased toward ourselves. You know, they never put you on the jury <laughs> when you go to court for yourself. Uh, Proverbs 16.2 tells us that all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. So we're not qualified to assess ourselves, and therefore we wouldn't know how many good works it would take to make up for the bad if that were possible. But the more important problem is that's not possible, as we were talking about at the beginning of the program. Um, you know, even a mountain of good works cannot cover our sin. God showed us from the very beginning that the, on the only thing that can cover our sin is blood. And the very first human sin seen in Genesis chapter 3 was covered by blood. It was literal but it's also symbolic. God sacrificed animals in order to make skins to cover Adam and Eve after they had eaten of the forbidden fruit. And in this, the Lord constituted his solution for sin, and it culminated mm -hmm. in the perfect once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's all through Jesus Christ, dear friends. Listen to this scripture. You know, Think about guilt. Listen, listen to the psalmist. Mm -hmm. This is Psalm 38, and listen to his guilt here. He says, Thine arrows stick fast in me. Thy hand presses me sore. Hmm. There's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. He felt the anger of God for hmm. his behavior. Mm -hmm. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sins. It affected him physically. Hmm. Mine iniquities are gone over mine head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me, my wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. He just felt like he was loathsome. Mm. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. The guilt that he says, I am troubled. 
I bow, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning. My loins are filled with a disease, and I'm feeble. I'm sore. I mean, it just goes on wow. and on. <laughs> I, I mean, the guilt of Psalm 38. Yeah. And people turned away from him. But at the end of the psalm, he says, Lord, forsake me not. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me. And, mm. dear friends, that's our cry tonight. He is near us. He will help us. So cry out to him. And if you are experiencing guilt tonight, and maybe you've been living blaming others, or you're just lived, you've lived by trying to bury your sin and pretend it doesn't exist, but you know that your sins are like a loathsome disease, and you feel the anger of God pressing in on your heart, why don't you please give us a call and let us pray with you tonight at 929-333-3739. Yeah, and Pastor, it's interesting that you just read that psalm and you talked about this physical reaction for guilt because somebody came up to me today actually after the service and they 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 put their hand on their chest almost like they were being um, stabbed in the chest listening to the service. But she was saying it in a good way that she had been convicted of her sin. Mm. So there there is this, there is a difference. You know, you can be living in guilt. You know, that does feel like that physical pain that David described, or you can feel conviction of sin, which then should automatically, if you're a Christian, should lead you back to the cross and to confess your sin to God and live better afterward. Yes. Amen. Amen. So let's get into the passage now from Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 9. And from verses 9 through 12, what we see in these scriptures are the, the, the sinfulness of our human character in general. Mm -hmm. And so, Chris, what scriptures here does Paul use to show the sinfulness of our human character? And what, does, what do these verses, Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12... What do they reveal about our humanity? Well, the, the beauty about this passage is that Paul quotes the Old Testament, in this case, yeah. Psalms. Now, if you refer to Psalms 14th chapter, the first through third verse, yeah. the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They were all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We are of a sinful nature. We are mm -hmm. born into sin. Mm -hmm. We are permeated by the societies we live in, and we cannot escape these things. There's no such thing as good. There's only saved in salvation. And what is being said here is only, only through the salvation of Christ, can we be saved? It is not something that we can do with our will. It's not something we can do with our own means. One of the things that we, as recent times, humans are trying to save themselves, we cannot save ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can only be saved by the blood of Christ. Mm. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, going back to the idea that human beings are unqualified to judge their own level of sin, it's King David who tells us in that verse, too, Psalm 14, too. Who is actually qualified? It says the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men. Um, and the word used for the Lord there is Jehovah, the I am that I am. So in a way, it's God saying, I am qualified to judge you, the children of men. You are not qualified to judge yourselves. Yeah. And you know what I find interesting, too, about this Psalm 14 is it begins with the fool who says 
there is no God, mm-hmm. or and really there is in, and I've not studied the Hebrew here, but mm. that there is in is in italics. So really, the fool has said in his heart, no, no God. God. Mm. And but then he goes on to say that this this psalm really does describe all people, and that's how Paul takes it to mean where as well, where it says they're all gone aside, mm. and Paul summarizes it as it is written: there is none righteous, no, not one, and so. And he basically describes that in our intellect, there's none that understands. In our emotions, there's none that seeks after God. And in our will or volition, there's none that doeth good. So man, in his entire personality, Mm -hmm. which were a combination of mind, intellect, and emotion, Mm -hmm. the personality of man, we're all fallen sinners. Mm -hmm. And we need help. And we can't blame, we can't blame society. We can't blame the economic system. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was reading about a preacher who went witnessing for Christ in prison, and he was talking to different people and in the prison and asking, you know, how are you doing and and how how are things going while mm-hmm. you're in the prison? And most of the inmates were just blaming the system uh-huh. or saying, "I was falsely accused. The police had it in for me," or. Uh, the judge and the jury were prejudiced, or the system is broken. And so they were all blaming other things. Mm-hmm. And we can blame the preacher, our mother, our father, the school teacher. But, dear friends, we have to look at ourselves because there is none righteous. That's you, and that's me. And finally, though, the preacher came to a man, and, and he says, how are you doing? And what's going on since you've been here? And he said, preacher, my sins are greater than I can bear. And he was under such conviction. And it was to him that that pastor sat down, was able to share the gospel to, and he opened up his heart Mm. to the Lord. And so, dear friends, that's all we're saying tonight. If you're not saved, open up your heart to the Lord because he died for sinners. Mm -hmm. You don't have to bury your sin and blame others. Just confess it because all of us are in that same boat. So, Micah, can you give a word of hope to, to someone here? whose character does show their sinfulness, and just give them that word of hope as well, that God is gracious. Yeah, well, you know what, just as you were giving that illustration of the pastor in the prison, I just thought, you know, the beginning of Psalms 14 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Um, you know, and that's similar to the way that Romans one, Romans starts, Romans 1. You know, yeah. Paul is talking to these people who they don't even believe in God, no matter how much he shows it to them. But, you know, by the end of this psalm that Paul is quoting, um, Psalm 14, the psalm ends on a high note. You know, after calling out man for his endless sin over the course of six verses, the last verse, Psalm 14:7, says, Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. And this is an amazing verse because David is speaking prophetically here. Um, The Jewish people were not living in physical captivity when he wrote this, but they were living in a spiritual captivity and bondage to their sin. But somehow David foresaw that their ultimate salvation and forgiveness would come out of Zion. And Zion is, of course, another name for Jerusalem or even just a catch-all for Israel. And it was Zion that Jesus Christ, the son of David, would eventually lay down his life to save his people, forgiving them for this unending sin that David described. And we're just so thankful to God for that. Praise God. And dear friends, the good news is Jesus hath done all things well. Mm. I love that statement 
of our Lord Jesus after he did a miracle in the Gospel of Mark. And in John's Gospel, Jesus said, No one who comes to me I will in any wise cast out. So you can call on him, and we invite you to give us a call right now as we're going to go to a song at 929-333-3739. Call us right now. Yes, dear friends, we are saved by grace. And Jesus loves you tonight. And He is so kind. And He is so merciful. You can call upon Him. And I I love that scripture where it says that as we call on the name of the Lord, He will will hear us. And and we can cast, 1 Peter 5, 7 says that we can cast all, all our cares upon him mm. because he cares for us. And so even though the whole world is guilty, and we've been talking about in, in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, that the world is guilty in their conduct. And now next we move how the whole world is guilty in our human conversation, not only our conduct, but in our conversation. So Micah, in Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, mm-hmm. uh, Paul piles up verses from the Old Testament yeah. again to show the sinfulness of our human, now this is going to surprise people, our human <laughs> conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't we constantly just hear filthy conversation, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. parts of our speech does Paul talk about, and, and why don't you talk to this? Sure. Uh, Paul goes back to the Psalms here, describing man's wicked conversation with three separate references. So the first one, Paul is quoting Psalm chapter 5 verse 9 and verse 13 when he says their throat is an open sepulcher and the idea here is that the words inside man's mouth are like a rotting corpse such a beautiful illustration the jewish people knew that touching a dead body would make them unclean Hmm. and so paul is saying that man's throat contains something just as unclean but unlike a tomb which would be tightly sealed 
man's mouth is open, so the corpse can actually corrupt anything that comes near it. That it's is like so graphic. It's you so know, graphic. To think yeah. that our, I said beautiful. Our, I meant that, graphic. That our throat <laughs> is is like a, a gra- an open open grave grave yeah. uh, with an unclean body yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. You know, stinking. Yeah. I mean, it's so, true though. So I guess it's that, absolutely that true. throat that's unclean. It doesn't. They didn't use our listerine either. No. I mean, it stinks. No. No. So the second psalm Paul quotes is Psalm 140, verse 3, when he says, With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. So in writing this, Paul Mm. is illustrating that deceitful words of man can be just as deadly, actually, as venom of snakes. And then the third psalm referenced here is Psalm 10, verse 7, when Paul says, Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. So all in all, Paul uses the words of the psalmist to describe how the wickedness of man is revealed through his speech and the words in his mouth indicate the state of man's soul. And I was just being a little bit facetious, yeah. obviously mm-hmm. talking about Listerine, but Listerine is not going to clean no. up a person's mm-hmm. a tongue. Mm-hmm. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can and will. And here's my challenge to our listeners tonight, because we just live in a world, and, and I know before I was saved, mm-hmm. curse words just rolled off my tongue. Every sentence that I said mm-hmm. was had bad language in mm-hmm. it, and and yet the first thing that God did clean up in my life was my speech, mm. and the Bible does say, "Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth." Mm-hmm. In Colossians chapter four verse six, it says, "Let your speech be always with grace." So here's my challenge to you, dear listener, tonight: If you are struggling with your speech, if you are cursing at your children or cursing at your job, and Vile words are flowing out of your mouth. You please call us tonight that we can pray with you about this matter Mm. and just leave it at the cross. Give us a call right now. That's my challenge at 929-333-3739. Yeah, and, you know, can I also just say, well, even before the show, me and Chris were talking about um, this idea that there are some modern pastors out there who are saying it's time to unhitch from the Old Testament, just focus on the New Testament, focus on the words of Jesus. I mean, it's not possible. You read this Romans, these two verses, they're quoting three different Psalms. You know, Paul is quoting three different Psalms. But the other thing is, as I read these verses about deceit, death, curses, and bitterness, you know, the biblical references don't stop at the Psalms. They seem to go back to Genesis 3. You know, Paul references asps or venomous snakes. And of course, that reminds me of the serpent in the garden who deceived Eve and led to the fall of all mankind. And that sin was punished with the curses that came on man, on woman, on the serpent, and on the ground. So death, deceit, curses, and bitterness that Paul mentions here, it all started in the garden. It sure did, Micah, and and that is so true. We do have a call from John in Staten Island. We thank you for calling, John, and you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. Oh, yes. Good evening, Matthew Becker. Do you remember me, Brian John? I... From Staten Island. I took the uh, accessory at the time. Okay, yes. Yes, I do remember you, John. Thank you for visiting us in the past, and thank you for continuing to listen to us. Yes, I listen every Sunday. Now, this question that came up, uh, uh, we had Resurrection Sunday two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we talked about Jesus with the linen in, in the tomb and that he wasn't there. But the question that nobody came up with and asked, and I was the one that was thinking about it, and I said, well, damn it, let me, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. I said, let me uh, call and uh, and bring the subject up. And the subject is 
Shroud of Turi. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you for asking about that. And actually, Micah is very interested in the Shroud of Turin, and I, I, he's well-equipped to answer this, this question that you have. Yeah, John, do you have a specific question about it, or you just want to talk a little bit about the Shroud of Turin? No, I, uh, what I want to know is uh, uh, they, they have the face of Jesus, supposedly, on this cloth. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 I don't understand... Uh, if the linen was all folded in the tomb, how did we get this this this, this uh, shroud? How did we get it? Well, you know, we, we talked a little bit last week about how, um, you know, I've heard scientists talk about the Shroud of Turin, and they basically say that the image on the shroud, it's scientifically they cannot recreate it. So it had to be a miracle. It had to be almost like a nuclear event that caused the image on the shroud. But I think one of the most amazing things about it was, you know, the shroud historically goes back at least a thousand years. Um, you know, there's various reasons why we believe obviously it's older than that. But historically, they have a record of it for at least the last thousand or so years. But it wasn't until photography was invented in the 1800s where they took a photograph of the shroud and the negative you know, where the light parts were dark and the dark parts were light, showed the image of the man even more clearly. So the idea that they created this thing, supposedly created it a thousand years ago, but then the image of the man actually really comes to life in the negative of the shroud, you know, it, it, it showed what this man who was crucified, at least, who the man was definitely crucified. He had the nail prints. He had the scar on his side. He had the crown of thorn, the blood's on, blood on his head. You know, the image of the man actually came to life in the negative, which, you know, they couldn't have predicted a thousand years ago. They couldn't have predicted photography. So, you know, to me, I've done, I've done a ton of research on it. I believe it's real, but, you know, we don't know for sure. And our faith, and, and I will say this as well, our faith cannot be in, in any relic or right. in, in the Shroud of Torn, mm -hmm. and Micah's isn't either. But those, these right. things can, can strengthen our faith for sure. But I think as well, John, if I could just throw this in, is that what... John saw when he looked into the tomb and when he saw the linen clothes of Jesus that were wrapped still together, they were not unwrapped as if he passed directly through them. And then those clothes became almost like an empty cocoon mm -hmm. with the body had been in them, but now the body was no longer in them. And that John when he looked and he saw, it says he believed. What he saw mm. led him to believe that Jesus was risen again. Mm -hmm. Okay? All so, right, John, thank you so, so we, much for the call. So we're going to have to move on, but yeah. thanks, John. Thanks so much for the call. And uh, let, let's continue this conversation. We are going to go down to Romans chapter... Oh, no, um, we want to... Uh, Chris, we yes. got to your follow-up here. So we're talking about speech... And there is so much corrupt speech today in, in our world, in the Internet, in blogs, on television, on the radio, and as you walk down the street, right? So, Chris, can you give a word of hope how God can deliver us from our sinful speech? Well, certainly, Pastor, because one of the things is, although there's much condemnation within the Psalms that Paul quotes, there's also salvation in the end of the grace. Now, if you look at... Psalms 5th chapter, mm -hmm. 11th verse. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Yes. 
Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Mm. This is one more example that we are not here to save ourselves, but once we place mm. our salvation in Jesus, once we place our faith within the Most High to save us, we are in essence saved. We can also look also at Psalm 140th chapter and the last verse, the 13th verse. Mm. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name, the upright shall dwell in thy presence. Once we are saved, once we are given salvation, we are in yeah. essence freed from our own iniquity, freed from our own filth. Mm. That's right. And we put off that corrupt speech and we put on godly speech of, of giving thanks to the Lord. So we do have another call tonight and our phone lines are open if you want to join the conversation at 929-333-3739. But we're going to go for, to Joe. Thank you for calling Joe out there in Medford for listening. And now you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations. Yes, I appreciate it. appreciate the show. Awesome. Uh, yes, uh, I... The friends of mine, we're doing a Bible study in uh, John. It talks about Jesus. Jesus is saying, "I only do, I only do what the Father tells me to do, or I see." The question is, there's nothing in the Bible where it says that. Uh, I don't see where God and Jesus are talking. So I, I think it's between God and and Jesus, like. Like he went into a garden and he prayed to the Father. So I guess that's where the connection was. You know, and the Father says, as an example, all right, Jesus, I want you to go to, to the woman over to the well. So it, you think that's how we don't see it in the Bible. It's not mentioned, but only when Jesus says, I only see. That's the, that's the thing I'm questioning. Well, so how do you are you talking done? about that intimate communication that took place between yep. the Father and the Son, where Jesus yeah, said, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, well, you, because yes. the Father does speak. I mean, he is a speaking God throughout the Old Testament. Mm. We see, how many times do we see that phrase? Hundreds, mm. maybe even a thousand times, mm -hmm. thus saith the Lord. Mm. And so God the Father speaks. He mm -hmm. spoke from heaven mm -hmm. at Jesus' baptism as well as the Mount of Transfiguration. As far as the specific yes. details, like, Jesus, I want you to go talk to the woman yes. at the well today. Those things, of as course... As an example. Yeah, yeah, just as an example. No, those things are, are not revealed, but we know that Jesus did the Father's will yes. completely. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That was his food. Yes. That was his sustenance and, and human for his human strength. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the, the Father is a, you know, the, the, God leads us. Mm -hmm. and, and God is a speaking God. You know, he speaks to us through the word, and I believe he speaks to us by his spirit as we're walking in the spirit and walking, you know, fellowshipping with God through his word. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Joe? Yes. So, so the thing is, what you're saying, it's um, you, you think he, as he's walking, he's communicating, and the father is saying, "Okay, go down here, go over here, talk to this person." Yeah, uh, Joe. The you Micah, know, what? Micah, Micah, yeah, Micah I, has a point. Here. You know, I look at John chapter twelve, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Um, you know, Jesus is speaking. He said, "Father, glorify thy name." And then it says, then came there yeah, a voice good. from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. 
And then Jesus later, he says, you know, the voice came not for my sake, but for your sake. So there's actually a dialogue here between Jesus and the Father. You know, Jesus says something and the Father yes. responds to him. But then Jesus says, this was for the sake of the people listening. So they were communicating all yeah. the time. But it was, it was only really this one instance where we hear the communication, but we do hear it. So I, I think that we can just assume that it was happening all the time. Yep. But, Joe, thank okay. you so thank much you, for Joe. your call. Appreciate we really appreciate it. it. Yeah, awesome, we really yeah, do. Awesome uh, program. We need people like that to call up and answer different things. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. God bless. Thank awesome. You. Thank you so much, so Joe. Much. Thanks, Joe. So we're, we, we talked about our human conversation. We talked about our, our human our human character is sinful. Now we're going to talk about human conduct, showing our sinfulness in Romans. We're in Romans chapter 3, where Paul is underscoring and concluding. Really, this, this, these verses, he's concluding the first major section of the book of Romans, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Which is that all have sinned. Mm -hmm. And he showed first how the heathen man have sinned, the pagan man who didn't have even any scripture. But God revealed himself even to that pagan man through creation and conscience. And then how the, 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 religiously, uh, the religious man mm -hmm. is, is a sinner. And then the Hebrew man with the law, the Jew, is yeah. a sinner. So he's concluding that Jew and Gentile have all sinned in this passage. And after this, he's going to move to the second major thrust of Romans, which is salvation. So this is a very important concluding passage here. And so we're going to talk, Chris, here about how human conduct, our conduct shows our sin. So let's talk about uh, how Paul illustrates our sinful behavior and what scripture he uses in this passage. Well, certainly, Pastor. Now, in Romans 3, chapter 15 to 17, he actually, me, Paul, quotes Isaiah, the 59th chapter, uh, verses 7 and 8. And I'll read those quickly, but the whole chapter, the whole 59th chapter is basically description of man's iniquity, man's sinfulness, man's yeah. filth. So, 59, verse 7. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. There is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever, Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Now, that's the description of behavior. In terms of portions of the body, mm -hmm. the 59th chapter, 3rd verse. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue have muttered perversiveness. Mm -hmm. It is saying in so many words, it is through our speech, it is through our patterns of communication, it is through the blood in our hands, it is also through our actions that we are guilty of sin as a species, as all. Mm -hmm. There is no, not one that is righteous without the blood of Jesus. Mm. Even within the fifth verse, they hatch cockatrices' eggs. Now, cockatrices is basically a form of serpent from ancient times. Weave a spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. This is description of serpents, of spiders, of arachnids, of vipers. We are being compared to the lowliest of animals. <laughs> so many yeah. words. Yeah. 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 I mean, often to sheep, but now to uh, poisonous snakes and <laughs> spiders and, you know, unclean things. Yeah. You know, and it seems, and this is awful, and I pray that it wouldn't happen, but it just seems there are these constant mass murders mm. in our nation. And mm -hmm. something that they always ask is, well, what motivated? What was the motive 
behind and so, you know sometimes manifestos are left behind and and sometimes these things are not even revealed for and that's all political and I'm not going to get into the political realm I'm just saying that sadly mass murders are taking place mm-hmm. at awful rates in our country mm-hmm. and there are motives behind this and really if you just read the bible here mm-hmm. the bible exposes the motives of man especially in this chapter that you read uh, Chris where their hands are defiled with blood and the ultimate motive is that people are have are separated from God mm-hmm. it says your iniquities have separated between you and your God people have no hope and they're experiencing that separation from God and they're acting out yeah. in destructive ways Mm-hmm. So, Micah, could you add a word to this and give yeah. a word of hope? Well, I, I just think that, you know, as Paul and Isaiah, what they're doing here is they're just exposing human nature in a fallen world. You know, murder started right away. As soon as a man was born of a woman, he murdered yeah. his brother. Um, you know, so in one way we look around at the world, we're shocked by the increase of wickedness. But it's not as if modern man invented sin. So when we get to the end of Isaiah 59, you know, we see that there is hope in the fact that God, well, at the beginning of Isaiah 59, actually, there's actually hope because it says that, you know, our our sin has separated us from God. So in one sense, that gives us the responsibility. So if we're able to get rid of our iniquity, so to speak, you know, we can bring back that intimacy with God. But also, we know that not even that is possible without God's help. So toward the end of Isaiah 59, God says that he sees no man of righteousness and no intercessor. So then God himself will need to send that intercessor. And Isaiah describes this figure as one clothed in righteousness, salvation, and zeal who will bring true justice and vengeance. And, um, you know, we know who that is. It's Jesus. Paul knew who it was, and it's the Savior, Jesus Christ. And, And, yeah, and dear friend, just listen to these words. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Are you living a life of destruction? That speaks of brokenness, Mm -hmm. of complete ruin or misery. That speaks of hardship. Are you living a life of brokenness and hardship? And Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18, speaks of this similar type of, uh, or or verse 8, speaks of this similar types of phraseology of, of destruction and wasting. And if that's your experience, call upon the Lord, Mm -hmm. because there is a great intercessor. Mm -hmm. His name is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He is in heaven right now waiting for you to call upon him Mm -hmm. and ask him to deliver you. And we're happy to also pray with you tonight at Mm 929-333-3739. Yeah, and I, Pastor, I was just thinking, you know, Paul was writing to a very specific group of people in Rome, but he, whether he realized it or not, he was writing it to us. So as you're listening, as you're feeling guilty of any sin, convicted of any sin, let this do to you what Paul intended for it to do to his readers and come to Jesus. You know, whether you call us, whether you don't call us, you know, you can call out to him. So we just encourage that tonight. Yeah. So, Michael, we're going to be wrapping this up and we see not only in our character and in our conversation, And in our conduct, we're sinners. Mm -hmm. But in the last section here in verses 19 and 20, we see that God's commandments are written Mm -hmm. to show us our sin. And I do love this, and and I I just want to quote a piece of that where it says, "The, the law of God 
should stop our mouth from justifying ourselves mm-hmm. and from minimizing our sin. The law of God shows us that we're sinners so that we cry out for a Savior, mm-hmm. dear friends. So, yeah. Micah, re- expand on this a bit yeah. and how Paul shows us how God's law shows us our sinfulness. Yeah, so let me just read verse 20 one more time, So, which is the last verse of this section that we're discussing tonight. So, therefore, by the deeds of the law... There shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law given to Moses and the people of Israel on Mount Sinai was like a spotlight which exposed everything that was previously hidden in the dark. So if the people didn't know that they were in sin before, they certainly did once they had the law. And after that point, they understood that their lives could not measure up. So verse 19 says, as, as you quoted, that the law stopped every mouth from making excuses. They, it showed the world that it was guilty before a holy God. So here, Paul begins this really interesting argument, which he continues in Romans, saying that the law wasn't given by God in hopes that his people would all eventually be able to follow it perfectly. No, but it was to expose their absolute need for his supernatural rescue. Yeah. And dear friends... We're going to get more into this, and, and what, what we want you to do is join us next Sunday because mm-hmm. we're going to continue this study in Romans and talk about the free salvation that we, through Jesus Christ, are justified freely mm-hmm. apart from any work of the law, that Jesus Christ paid it all for us, and he is our hope. And so you see, the law of God and the whole matter of sin isn't just to make you feel bad about yourself, but it's to lead you to Christ. Mm -hmm. It's to wake you up to say, I need help Mm -hmm. and I need forgiveness because, yes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and there is none righteous. Sin is a great evil. Sin brings ruin and misery and hardship and destruction, dear friends. Mm -hmm. And God has a way, however... For you to be delivered. So I'm going to ask you this question as we conclude tonight. How can an infinitely holy God allow an entirely sinful man be thoroughly right with him in a perfectly just means or method? How can an infinitely holy God allow an entirely sinful person, that's Mm -hmm. you and me, Yeah. To be thoroughly right with him, that's forgiven and righteous in his sight, Mm. by a perfectly just means. Mm -hmm. How can that happen? And the answer is through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So, Micah, just give a word. Or, Chris, do you have a word here? We do have a minute. Oh, got ten seconds. Give a word of encouragement to somebody, Chris, as we close tonight. To God be the glory, salvation is living the Lamb. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you, Micah. Yeah, let let this chapter in Romans, let the law of Moses, whatever it is, let it expose your need for the Savior because uh, it did for me, it did for Pastor, it did for Chris, and it can for you as well, friends. And dear friend, people are looking to modern-day psychiatry. They're looking to medicine. They're looking to medications. They're looking for all different kind of woke ideology, but look to Jesus. Look to Jesus Christ, as Chris just said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He loves you. Good night. Tell a friend about the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. Listen to us next week. Visit us at Heritage Baptist Church, 490 Hudson Street. Good night.
Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith